Y'all ready to be history? It's started. Welcome. Hi. 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 Hello, everyone. To the Pro Audio Suite. Thanks to Rode Microphones. These guys are professional. They're motivated. Introducing Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post, Chicago. Darren Robbo Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging, Sydney. Tech to the VO Stars. George the Tech Whitam from LA. And me, Andrew Peters. Voiceover talent and home studio guy. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. Don't forget, if you want to help us out, go to patreon.com uh, slash the Pro Audio Suite. Take two. There's no, there's no the. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it just says Pro Audio Suite. Yeah. Oh, that's Robbo's fault. He set it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. You probably gathered already we're joined by a couple of guests this week. We have Krista Lewis. How are you, Krista? I'm great, thanks. Delighted to be here. Uh, it's lovely to have you here. And we have Nico Rourke. How you going, Nick? Hey, guys. Great to be here, too. We're hands across the ocean, aren't we? We're, you know, well and truly split 50 well, 50 Australia three. and America. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, where do we start? Well, I, I Robbo. think a good thing, a good place to start would be for Krista and then maybe Nick just to talk us through their home studio. What have you got? Sure. What are you running? So, maybe Chris, ladies first, Krista? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I think it's unfair, though. I think I'm not representative of most commercial voice actors. But here we go. I've got a triple-walled Studio Bricks booth, and um, I was their rep for a while when I was still living in L.A., so I asked them to replace the glass door with the Studio Bricks wood door because, in my layperson's term, I don't know the right word for it, but there, I called it the song of the booth. There was a slight harmonic that I felt was facilitated by the glass. So no glass at all. I'm a Mac girl and I'm running Twisted Wave. I've got a super sexy Austrian audio OC818 microphone because I used to work as a newsreader and at Deutsche Welle, where I worked, it was always the Neumann U87. And I really missed the depth and the warmth of that microphone. And then I moved to America, and <laughs> I met the Sennheiser 416 in every studio I ever walked into. And it made me sound so bad. So I really was missing the Neumann, but what I learned was that if I put a Neumann inside a studio bricks, I could hear my neighbors thinking about their lunchbox. So <laughs> I was like, nope. <laughs> and I sent it back. And um, anyway, I'm delighted with the Austrian audio, and I have it running through a Rupert Neve Portico 5012. Kind of audio bliss because he hit this button called silk and I was like, oh, oh, I want that. I want that. I want silk. Yeah. So I got the Portico 5012. And um, so that's what I have going on. And as I say, I do long form mostly. And I think uh, audiobooks and really long projects 
it's just harder to do in a closet. You know what I mean? I mean, people. if I were only doing commercials yeah. and short spots, that can I can do that in a self-constructed situation. But trying to do audiobooks without a booth made me crazier than I already am. So I put the money into the booth. Good idea. Yeah, nice. And Nick? <clears throat> Good choice in microphone too, by the way. Yes. Andrew... I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. I have one it as well. Absolutely brilliant. I cannot yeah. say enough nice things about it. Where did you first hear about it? Do you remember? I do. I was um, I was invited into a studio by an LA uh, musician who was looking to acquire audiobook narrators because he wanted us to record in his studio. It was the pandemic. Everybody was looking to make some money, and I didn't really realize because. That's just not something I can afford to do. But I went in and I took the chance to do a shootout against my mic at home. And I listened to my mic and I listened to his recording. And I was like, whoa, I need a new mic now. Yeah, he turned me on to it and so grateful. And then I got the Rupert Neve and I turned him on to the Rupert Neve. So the next thing I knew, he was buying a Rupert Neve. So it was kind of expensive fun. <laughs> silk all around. Yes. Yeah, silk all around. Yeah. So, Nick, what's silky in your room? Well, I think the, the probably the highlight, uh, a bit like Krista, of, of, of my booth, or is the booth itself, because when I, I first did a home in about 2014, because I, um, I was actually doing some work with ESPN in the States, which was late at night or early in the morning, so I had to do it from home. Mm. And it was the embarrassment of having, you know, one of those makeshift setups at the time, like a, a pull-up wardrobe that you know a portable <laughs> wardrobe un, under an acoustic blanket and just felt like an absolute charlatan so I while I was doing for the first couple of months doing those um, sessions through Downsource Connect um, I had a double wall uh, booth built and then got you know I was used to run off the inbox and got a universal audio Apollo twin duo interface um, I had the uh, Rode NTG3 is the mic and because a couple of different guys recommended, you know, the, uh, that one. Um, and I kind of haven't moved on. I also got an RE20 at one point off, off a studio I knew. I don't really use that, though. Um, and then obviously just Pro Tools and, and Source Connect. But I think the building, the spending the money on the room was the big thing. And like Krista said, it gives you, you know, you need it for the kind of thing. Because then even though I, then ESPN went away and then I got Channel 7 years later and... Having that, that I could just, you know, if you did sessions there or you couldn't do it there or last minute billboards and things and just having the right setup and, and yeah, I know that, I, as I said, I'm not a huge tech guy, but the feedback from a lot of the studios I work with, they're all really happy with the sound. So you go, okay, I'm doing something right here. <laughs> yeah. And I think... That's really interesting. I've got to ask you though, yeah. can I just jump in? I just want to ask you, are you using the NTG3 at the moment? Yes. It sounds really interesting on your voice because right. I'm, I'm actually using an NTG3 as we speak, but um, a lot of the, a lot of the time, a lot of people have an issue, particularly male voices, because they get a bit muddy, a bit like they're a bit sort of bottom midi yeah. kind of, you know I what mean, I mean? Bit, bit too fat. But yours doesn't like sound the, like that. The Sennheiser, you know how? You know, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you guys have covered this on a lot of your other podcasts. You know what mics work with different voices. You know the Sennheiser. My voice is always, and, and that's obviously the mic that you know, studios use a lot, um, does seem to work with my mic. So again, with the NTG3, I guess I'm similar in the sense I'm never too on the mic. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. find that maybe maybe gives it that little bit extra spark and you don't avoid that muddiness. 
that's why I've, yeah, I've always, you know, used that. And also people want them um, clean because they're going to be mixing it at their end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting with the NTG3 because I've only ever seen one in a studio in, a, in Melbourne. Right. Uh, and that was, and I was quite surprised to see one in a studio because normally it's either a, a 41.6 or or a large diaphragm, and that's basically it. Yes, and is that, I mean, the argument that few studios or home setups said to me, you know, it, it is kind of uh, close to the 41.6 in, in its sound and its style, and, and I guess that's why I kind of went with it, because at that time I thought I'd only be, you know, wouldn't be using it that often. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. I don't think, I, the thing is, that yeah. what, this is what surprises me, I don't actually think they are similar right. in sound at right. all. But, but to me, what I'm hearing from you, I don't know whether... George and Robert agree, or Robbo, but um, yeah, it, it sounds, it's not what I would have picked. I, I would never have picked that was an NTG3. I, I think it sounds less dark than I was expecting from an mm-hmm. NTG3. Yeah. Funny enough, just to round it out, Andrew, you're on an NTG3, not an NTG5 right now, right? Correct, okay. yeah. Interesting. I'm on, I'm actually on the NTG4. And I'm on the NTG5. Okay. Um, the, the, it's interesting that you've both spent the money and, and went hard on soundproofing and walls and ceilings and stuff, you probably can't... Well, maybe, Nick, you can speak to it a little bit given that it took you a while to get your walls up. Yeah. But is it an investment that's worthwhile in terms of... Do you th- I guess what I'm getting at is do you think it's helped in terms of booking more work because people aren't dealing with aeroplanes flying overhead and kids screaming outside the studio door? Look, I think especially as we've had to be in the last 18 months, people are pretty forgiving with that type of thing. Um, but I because it was, you know, say six years ago and all the work I did was in studios and if I was recording from home, I was giving a level of quality that, you know, exactly like you say, because when I was under that, um, under that blanket, it was fine because it was late at night, so sounds were really light on. But if it rained, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. no, here we go. So, yeah, to, to feel confident that, you know, that wasn't going to be an issue, you know, because I think when you're recording from home, you've got things to concentrate on. There's extra elements. I didn't want to have that extra thing of, like you say, just wanted to get into that zone. And then I think in when you're in that great little space, anything can happen and you just focus on, on, on the work. So with you, Krista, do you, do you find, having your own studio, do you find the added pressure of, of, you know, having to record stuff or make sure the lines are open and working properly and the levels are correct, do you find that as a, as a hindrance when you're trying to concentrate on the script? I'm so used to it now because I've been doing it since 2012. Um, <clears throat> and I had to teach myself everything from scratch, all of it. Oh, and George Widom's shout out of all the love to George Widom's YouTube videos because, you know, that's what I would do. I'd be like, what? The what? Where? Ugh. Yeah. And so I would go watch a video and I'd be like, oh, okay, thank you, George. <laughs> yeah. um, so I would prefer to have an engineer on the other end because I'm a collaborator at heart. So I miss those. I mean, I was at Deutsche Welle for 17 years. I had a director, an engineer, a this, a that, the other. So everybody was doing all the heavy lifting, and all I had to do was just shut up and talk. So I miss that, but I'm so used to it now that I just don't think about it much. Of course, my adrenaline level spikes you know, into infinity and beyond if something goes wrong because I'm not savvy enough to really get in 
into the weeds and figure out, you know, all the things. Like if my audio isn't going through Chrome and I'm running my DAW, which is Twisted Wave, or I'm running Reaper, or I'm, and they're recording me, blah, blah, blah. But I'm used to it enough now that I just don't think about it anymore. Something that Nick was saying I can really relate to because when I came to the States and I realized I really had to teach myself how to do all these things, I had how I sounded there in my head. And I knew that was the level I needed to reach in terms of professional sound. And I knew every single book that went out with my name on it could be the last book I did if it sounded like crap. Yeah. So I was extremely aware that my audio quality had to be broadcast level from the first instant I started recording myself. Does that put a lot more pressure on? Oh, yeah. I am blankety-blank retentive to the nth degree about my Mm -hmm. sound. (laughs) And yes, I think it does raise the pressure. I swear a lot, and I bang the the booth walls. That's why I had to get a studio bricks, (laughs) because I punch the walls (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Just don't use your head. Thanks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't. (laughs) And Nick, you did a little bit of engineering before you got into voiceover, didn't you? Yeah, I um yeah because I started off uh, radio background as well. So, um yeah, we're kind of you know as you do when you go out to the country station, you do a bit of everything, writing and announcing and and production. Um and yeah, so I, that's good for basic things like you know editing and you know basic mixing on things like that. Um, but I probably never spent enough time, especially on Pro Tools. I think there was a few other different systems learnt back back then um studio frame was this one <laughs> i think it's way frame was studio, studio frame i remember studio yeah. frame i had studio frame at triple m in adelaide and i hated it <laughs> and it, the whole thing which i remember like i got they sold me on when they brought it to the station it was uh, the old idea was it was all about the sound you didn't watch waveform yeah, um, that's right. That was the big thing. It was like, yeah, you're listening to it. You're not watching it. That's how we, you know, that's how we edit with audio. And, and it was an interesting concept, but, yeah, it was kind of clunky. I like that concept. I spent a lot of my time in Pro Tools zoomed all the way out in mini just mm-hmm. running. Yeah. Or but micro. I think that's, you know, people that like our genre that grew up on tape, I think that's fairly common though, Robert. I don't know. I never really felt the need I, to absolutely see I, a... I just think it's wave. faster. Like yeah. having to zoom yeah. in and and get accurate by zooming in and zooming out constantly. You can spend your time in one zoom and just... It's just what you're yep. used to, I suppose, but there you go. I love how everyone... I just love how when you watch engineers and how everyone has their, their system or their tricks or their little you know, shortcuts that they, and they're all different. Yeah. Uh, yes. uh, it's just brilliant how there's so many variables. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the, the, um, the lovely thing about things like Pro Tools is that you can, everyone can work completely differently and still configure the same software to do the same thing. So. Mm. Or um, just to scare the pants off you, the way uh, we used to do ads when I was in regional <laughs> radio was we had a, it was an 18-inch turntable from memory uh-huh. and we used to have these big 18-inch discs, vinyl discs uh-huh. from KPM from memory. Cue them up. And that they had sick. a bunch of like different different oh, bits like, of music like and music. stuff. Yeah, yeah KPM is an old. S- s- yep. So you'd um, load up the reel to reel, and you'd queue up a record, and you'd have a script, and off you go, and you'd be writing the levels as you mm-hmm. read the script. Wow. Life to yeah. tape. Yep. To put down. straight One out. take. Yeah, straight out. Yeah. Oop, fucked up. Cue the music up again. Away we go. Yeah. Go back. Do it again. Yeah, and yeah. that's the that was a great thing, isn't it? With tape, like you know, 
And I still think, I know you can always drop in and you can always do this, but I love if you can, you know, if you can do your 15 and your 30 in the one take, because usually that one take, I don't know, is the best. Con- yeah. Continuity flow, you know, you, you get in that zone. And the other thing about analogue too is, you know, Friday afternoon with, with digital, you're always looking for a razor blade and you can never find one. <laughs> 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 or a CD box for that matter. Brilliant. <laughs> the one that wasn't all scratched up. That's, that's why we love Thursdays when the new playlist came in. <laughs> Fresh meat. <laughs> hey. Don't have to lick that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, So here's a curly question for both of you. Is there anything that you thought you'd need that you went out and bought and you actually kind of went, oh, you know what, I don't need that? Krista? Uh, Or is there anything that you spent more on that you've realised now you shouldn't like that really expensive pair of headphones that you sort of went, maybe not? Uh, well, all right, I don't know how uh, Nick dealt with this, but for me, everything was such a learning curve that I actually burnt through five microphones, I don't know how many headphones, several um, interfaces, because I would get one, I would <laughs> my daily pilgrimage to Guitar Center, and I'd meet some rock musician who did not understand what I did, and he'd be like, no, no, no. No, Chris, 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 you got to try this microphone. This is the mic. And he'd send me home with this, sure. And I was like, oh, I don't have enough gain for this, sure. Because they're singer microphones. (laughs) Let me guess. Holy smokes, that was exactly exactly right. So I went back and I got a new interface because I needed a boatload of gain for the sure. And then I got that sorted out and realized... This sure is not working for me. So back it went, and then the interface, etc. So over the years... It's funny, because Guitar Center sometimes doesn't let you uh, return. I'm really persuasive. (laughs) (laughs) You do it for a living. (laughs) I can do an incredible meltdown, like on command. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here to share your tales of woe and and why we always preach, never walk into Banjo Emporium not knowing what you already (laughs) want. (laughs) Well, when you don't know, you know, I had all these qualified techies, you know, doing it all, and I was just figuring out. And once I finally, but once I got to a certain level of comfort with my hardware I mean, I burned through three hardwares. I downloaded Pro Tools. I took one look at it and went, I just instinctively understood that it was just too much for me. And so off it went. And then I downloaded another something. And then I settled at, this is back in the day, um, on Adobe Audition because it was visually less intimidating. Do you know what I mean? And I know that's not a super (laughs) Mm. um, brainy way to go about it, but... I teach now. I teach audiobook narration and commercial VO. And when people are completely new to everything, including the tech, I say to them, just download the one that looks pretty. Because it's the one that you'll... Well, you have to sit there and you have to spend a month of Sundays. I mean, I I did a four-year engineer's education on my own in 18 months in Los Angeles with my dad yelling at me that the world was passing me by and I wasn't going to make any money and my boyfriend from Germany yelling at me every day like, how are you going to pay the rent? And I just kept my head in this laptop. He's probably yelling at you saying you're late. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Those five minutes. And, um, this is not, this I said 11 o'clock. It is not 11 o'clock. <laughs> so it's true, you know, I just, I think when you come at it without any background whatsoever from the engineering side, but I had been exposed to e- extraordinary I mean, truly fantastic engineering. And I I got to sit next to these guys for 17 years. I knew exactly how hard they worked. So it was intimidating at a huge level. Anyway, at the end of the day, I now work with the easiest but also most sophisticated software for what I do, which I've graduated from Reaper to Twisted Wave. And um, I no longer go through a crap ton of gear because... Over the years, I found myself shedding gear. So I don't need this. Okay, gone. I don't need that. Oh, okay, that does not work well. It goes back. So I would try it. If it didn't work, out it went. And then after a while, I got settled. And I was like, okay, this is what I need. But it took years of trial and error. That is true. And you do spend so much money, waste so much money. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one of the, the other reasons we do this podcast is, you know, to stop people getting really bad advice from people who don't know. I mean, the amount of things I've been told to get, they're completely wrong and you buy them because you don't know. They should take our bad advice. What's that? Well, our bad advice is, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, just to your point, just very briefly, when I teach now, I say to people, look, if you can ask 10 engineers, you're going to get 100 opinions about which microphone and which interface to get. So just start with one, and then I give them a recommendation that's, you know, like 200 bucks. It's a Rode, by the way, a Rode USB. But this was before the pandemic. Now a commercial voice actor cannot have a USB mic because I don't know what, Nick, how you think about this, but because of the pandemic, you have to have broadcast quality gear. You just do. Yeah, yeah. I think... um with those smaller little things, like obviously when you're out and about and, you know, when someone might want a last-minute little thing or a little demo, or could you just, you know, put something down quickly and you need something like that to with your phone, which is not going to go all the way to broadcast. It's just, you know, that kind of demo space. Yeah, but I think especially, uh, as you said, the last 18 months, um, having quality gear and, and, and going to mine, like I think probably whether there's... I had, a, you know, a kind of a, an audio consultant who helped me make the right decisions because that was probably not something that I was totally across. So, like, with the interface and upgrading to that when I did the, the room properly, I think, like anyone, I could pro- you could probably have more toys, a couple of more mics to muck around with would be nice, but I, I've often felt like I, until recently, can't justify it because most, you know, the majority of my work is, is at studios, um, where they've put the time and money into amazing technology. So I've kind of, you know, it, it didn't seem to justify it to get a whole bunch of toys here. Um, although now it's looking attractive. There are, there are pro-quality USB mics now. Right. I mean, now there are. But here's the thing. When they say, hey, will you drop down the gain a little bit? Then you don't want them to hear you going like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is that better? <laughs> that's, that puts off a pretty bad impression. That's right. <laughs> so that's a, that's to me the most solid argument against a USB mic for yeah, production. I mean, you could you could click into it if it's the right USB mic. It might be software, but I think the thing about the USB mic is that 
it is guaranteed to be a temporary investment. An XLR proper microphone will be a much better long-term investment. At sure. End. Totally agree. I mean, they're going to change the USB plug on you. You know they will. <laughs> yes, they will, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Imagine pulling out a mic with a Ooh. firewire port on it <laughs> and being like, where the hell do I plug this thing in? <laughs> well, based on last week's episode, we know where that would be. <laughs> oh, wait, I wasn't there. <laughs> and it still sounds like shit. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, dear. But no, yeah, a, a USB mic usually has inferior monitoring. It's you, you can't get the flexibility out of it when you upgrade your other equipment. Um, so it's it's going to be a piece that you're going to end up buying again if you get a USB mic. Yeah, and it's true. It's like yeah, you can get the mic and the interface in one, but it's neither one is top notch. And just to add on to that, to piggyback onto that, you also can never get the microphone far enough away from your laptop or your computer. I spent mm. an entire year in a basement at 3 a.m. recording with a box and a blanket and a pillow over my Mac. I mean, just on and on and on to keep as much sound as possible out of the mic. Mm. And then if you want to see how flaky USB can be, just get a really long cable. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. That's a very strong argument against USB for a proper studio. If yeah. you have to have your computer anywhere distant from your booth, and it's, it's it's not going to work right. out well for it's you. It's not a solid connection. It's prone no. to falling out and it's convenient. It's a, it's affordable. It's a good thing in a pinch. It's a good thing for travel. Don't make that the centerpiece of your of your studio. Interestingly yeah. enough, and you may have already talked about this on another podcast, but here in the states um, there are commercial sides where they ask you not only to slate your name, but they also ask you for your setup and your gear. They want to know now. Yeah, and this has been really? new since the pandemic. Right. Um, so how do they know you're not lying? <laughs> That's a really good question, but um, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> if someone's on an, a, a, you know, an SM57 and they're saying I'm on a U87. Yeah, that's fair. You'd probably hear it, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. Or, or just get the right model. I'm on a U7. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, we dropped out there. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Having said that, we uh, I wouldn't have picked Nick was not on a 4, 41.6. I'm just making it up. It's actually a... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a Yeti. Hey, I still miss my Yeti blue. I loved my Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> what was that other thing we tested in the early days of this podcast when it was just you and me, AP? Was it um, Chaotica Eyeball or oh. something? What was oh, it? yeah, the yeah, Chaotica. That thing is horrible. Oh, it's yeah. terrible. I tried that too. That went that went the way of the dodo bird. How to ruin the sound of any mic. Oh, yeah. God. I remember Andrew put it on and went, what's this sound like? And I went, shit. Mm, not good. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to be honest? I'll say shit, but I can't be honest. <laughs> he tried well, to it sounds, it sounds a little bit like this. A little bit. Yeah, that's the one, George. You got it. You yeah. got it in one. <laughs> that's with the chaotic eyeball, and that's with that. Wow. Like, yeah, no, that's I'm just a- kidding. I'm cupping my hands around the mic. But it does kind of a little bit sound a little bit like that. It does do that because it, it ruins the, the acoustics of the mic itself and, and the way the mic it is does. trying to work with the back of the diaphragm to, yeah. I know they tried hard to make it not do that, but they kind of made it not do that. But they never successfully made it 
you you can't change the acoustics of the mic without changing the sound of the mic. Like you can't mm. add acoustical things that are within that range of the mic so close to the mic and not expect it to change the EQ of the mic. Even those echo filters, like the shields, you know, that go around yeah. the, the the back, even those start to change it because yeah. it's the same thing. Your booth has a sound and the closer you get to that mic, then the more it yeah. imparts its sound on the mic. Yeah, Definitely if you change the back or any of the grills, it's like you're changing the design of the microphone and the way it's tuned to handle yeah. its directionality. When something's that close to the mic, it's almost as though you're modifying the mic, yeah. essentially. That's, well, well that's funny the enough, issue. You're, you're, you're actually it, like, you know, the classic thing of someone who goes up on stage with an SM58 or something and they grab the mic right up around the basket. Yeah. And so what they're doing is Rappers they're blocking the... Exactly. And they're blocking the sound from coming around the backside of the microphone and it that's how it achieves its directionality. So you're basically turning that mic into an omni. And that's why when people do that, it goes... Feedback. It's, yep. it's feeding back because now the mic is actually more or less directional and it's getting its sound input from everywhere because it can't use the back of the mic to reject the things that it doesn't want to hear. Right. Yeah. There you go. It's like if you got your mic set up in the middle of the the booth and then you move it right up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. See how that sounds. It's going to sound If you don't like awful. that, then you won't like the eyeball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Except it's like moving against both walls at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like in Star Wars when they're in the chute in the garbage. <laughs> Got that's it. what I was going to oh, say. Brilliant. Right, right. Yes. The walls are closing in. I think we've been in the booth too long. That's why we understand that. Yep. Yeah. And, that's, and that's where you can put the chaotic eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds very similar to my 41.6 from last week's episode. <laughs> that's, a different, that's a different set of walls. Brilliant. And it also adds a whole new meaning to in the can. Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now what? Exactly. Way to finish this episode. We, we, we can't let I, you. I can't let you go though uh, without uh, you filling us in on a little lockdown project that you've been working on on Facebook, and I eagerly look forward to the updates to each week. Oh, oh! Um, would you be talking about work and homeschool? I think I might be. The, uh, the extremely yeah. popular um, social lockdown sitcom that about ten people read. Well, I'm, I'm, it's great that you read it, Robbo. Um, I do. Good on you, mate. Look, I'm it's, very um, impressed that yes. you can actually write. But you know, I, it is good. <laughs> well, look, especially being an ex-radio sure. guy. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, that was my point. That's right. It wasn't a prerequisite when I was in radio. I'm sure, sure many of you may have felt the same, but I, it all happened when we first went into lockdown last year, um, and just with everyone home. And my my daughter walked in and said something, and then my son walked in and said something, and then my little guy walked in, and it was like I felt like I was in a family sitcom <laughs> from the '90s, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, we almost started, me and my wife started applauding when the next person came in. And so it just made me think, all right, I'm going to write a cheesy 90s sitcom about being in lockdown. And um, and we keep going to lockdown, so I have to keep writing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good. Get a yeah, network very address. Right. There's a it's show there. big. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for the shout out, yes. Robbo. Well, and one more thing I'd like to pick you up on, just thinking about that, is um, one thing I've also noticed you're very good at on social media and it's actually something we did an episode on about promoting yourself. Oh, yeah. Is you're really good at getting yourself in the booth and coming up with ideas 
that are entertaining and don't directly say, hey, I'm Nick, employ me for voiceovers. Where did that come from? That's good to hear. I think that probably also comes from back in the radio time. You know, I loved, used to love doing like skits and writing and, and producing skits and things for, you know, shows. So maybe it comes a bit from that, but I probably comes more from the hateful concept of self-promotion and how I, most of us just, just detest it. I know I do. And when I started thinking, all right, well, you know, I've got to also let people know that I'm, that I'm out there and, and, you know, for work. I just thought, how can I do it? And that would kind of came like maybe if I do it with a bit of fun, maybe I do it lighthearted, so it's uh, it's kind of palatable. Um, yeah, I think that's where it came from, and and then and just maybe trying to get a laugh as well. There's been some but good this ones. Is, that's an interesting yeah. one, actually. Yeah, Thanks, mate. interestingly, because Krista working in Germany and now in America, it'll be like poles apart when it comes to promoting yeah, yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, you didn't have to do it. I mean, in Germany, first of all, the arts are subsidized. I worked for the government. <clears throat> Deutsche Welle TV was the Innenministerium, what is that? Interior Ministry. And um, when I came to LA, <laughs> I was like, hey, I do this thing with my voice. And everybody was like, oh, take a number. <laughs> Just take a number. That would be number yes, seven exactly. trillion yeah. four hundred and eighty yeah. billion, <laughs> and have a nice time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, right. By the way, buy this mic. <laughs> yeah, and my and coaching all course. Of them. <laughs> right. And all right. of them. But it was book. interesting because I'd already had my yeah. fifteen minutes. I think you know when you're. Just somehow psychologically, because Deutsche Welle goes around the world, so I knew somehow I'd had mm. my moment. So this was. It was. I'm not going to say it was more relaxed. It was. It was a fight. Every single second was a fight in LA to establish something somehow. But I didn't need to be famous. I just needed to keep the lights on. And maybe because that was my focus. Because <laughs> VO is all I know how to do. And then I got into audiobooks, and audiobooks are poo pooed by a lot of commercial VO people because they're just too long. It's too hard work, you know. And all of which I respect because they are. They're too long and it, the work is too hard. But it's steady money. It's steady work. Once you break in, you're in and you keep going. And so I've been really blessed and fortunate. Sorry, I like got on this rant. Stop me. Stop me. And if you like good. reading books anyways, <clears throat> hey. Yeah, exactly. And it's a mad skill. Like. I think that's the thing. I mean, look, Krista, how many you've done. And I think that's the other thing, isn't it? You... It's a whole new skill skill set with audio books that um, you know, and once you, and especially the way it's grown over the last probably five years, um, it's a pretty pretty big part of the the market. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But oh, podcasts huge. are yeah. as yeah. big, if not outstripping audiobooks. I think they're neck and neck, sort of, so to speak, in terms of. Uh, ears mm-hmm. listening. I don't even know how you. I hope that's in the audio guide, George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you get paid for yours. We don't get paid for ours. Yeah, that's true. Exactly that right. is true. Yeah, that's the difference. But, you know. But I think the other thing about <laughs> yeah. podcasting, though, is it's so accessible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. anybody can do it. I mean, just look at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I also mean scripted podcasts. I'm now on three scripted podcasts. And um, they're uh, yeah. so much fun. They're fun. Those... Uh, are they podcasts? Are they just dramas? Are they yeah, like radio dramas? plays they, reborn? Yeah, they're radio it's, plays. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. 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 It, it's, it's so interesting exactly that it's right. there's some brilliant podcast. ones yeah, out there. They really are. The crime ones are fantastic. Mm. Yeah, maybe we should start. <laughs> <with> others are. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, what crime? I think we've already done that bit. This shows a crime against society, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, it's like halfway there. Crime against humanity. So. Thud went the door. Yeah. So, Krista, here's an interesting question. Um, I had a gig uh, recording some audio for a German company that was basically doing how to speak X brand. And then they would say a word and it was a German word and then they would give the definition of it. And when they were auditioning, they were looking for an English, like like they were trying to ride the line between someone who was fully German accented, but this was for the American market. But of course they couldn't have anything mis- mispronounced in the end. Um and it sounds like you would have been yeah. perfect. And I'm wondering how the audition didn't find it. <laughs> well, way. people in the audiobook world know that I speak accent-free, fluent German. And the only reason I say that is it's actually in sort of ironic air quotes because I I use that to break into audiobooks. You know, there was there's very little wiggle room for how to set yourself apart. So that's how I did it, and that's how I landed a couple of my first big projects. But in the commercial VO world... You know, there's a lot of German talent in L.A. I know because I helped Dion Audio uh, cast most of them onto their roster. So you can get a real German if you want one in L.A. or, you know, if you're in L.A. and I'm sure New York as well. So there's not that much need for somebody who just, you know, speaks it pretty. So maybe that's why. We found not as many... Um, results as we were hoping for, actually, I guess. Is, but we're probably auditioning in the wrong place. Well, if you ever need real, if you ever need voice actors with, you know, from a, a myriad of sources or countries and you're looking for original languages, the first thing I would recommend is just go to the Dion Audio roster and just look because um, Deborah Dion and her then husband Bob, they curated one heck of a roster from people all over the world. It's genius, really. Is she spelling that D-E-Y-A-N, by the way? I know yes. it sounds like, like Dion, D-I-O-N, but it's D-E-Y-A-N, yeah, right? Yeah, it's DionAudio.com, yeah. yeah. Or I'm right. saying it wrong, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Deb. <laughs> well, it looks like Dion. <laughs> and And so the other thing I'll just compliment you on is the whole, like, hey, I don't need much, and less is more, and don't cloud the gates and compressors and yeah. EQing. Well, I think both of you like probably. Is more. By the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and taking care of it from the booth first. Yeah. And I think it's interesting with that because I, know, I think, and maybe Chris is the same, I think there's a certain amount of knowledge that needs to go with that to getting it right. I think the first time I started mucking around with gates was when we were in uh, a lockdown briefly and I was down the south coast and doing it from a, a less than ideal um, home studio situation and then maybe had to look at a few things like that. But, yeah, I think most of the time it's about just, for me, if the sounds are right, keeping it simple and letting, pe- letting you know, people who know what they're doing then treat it how they, how they want. If it sounds good, it is good. On that note, here's a final question for each of you. We should probably wrap this up. Um, if someone's listening who's thinking about starting their own home studio, and let's put a bit of a curveball on this, if they're not necessarily settled on what sort of voiceover they want to settle into, whether it be audio books or short form or whatever, what's a one piece of advice from each of you that you would give that person about setting up their, their room in their studio? Well, um, Krista, you're probably going to mention <laughs> guy on YouTube, right? 
Some guy called George. George. Yeah, that some dude. No, um, yeah. I yeah, I would probably like that. I'd say um, do your research, look at what's out there, um, and I think if you're doing it first time, you're going to want to um, set up more on the lower end um, because, of course, you know, there is an upfront expense. Um, but if you've been doing it for a while, I think it's an investment that's, you know, um, so important because it's just going to mean that you get to do more work and maybe with smaller agencies, smaller um, companies that you might not get to work in the field with with, with other studios. Um, so that would be my advice. But I, This is going to sound a little sad, but... First thing I say to people is just don't quit your day job yet, really. Whatever you've got going on that's keeping the lights on, stick with it, A. B, because of the pandemic, I now tell people they are going to have to move up an order of sophistication. So if you're going to hang your shingle out and say, you know, working voice actor, you have to have broadcast quality audio from home because that is what's on the specs of commercial VO in the United States of America. I can't speak to anywhere else. So I always do. I have a I have a list of resources, <laughs> boot camp resources and audiobook resources and George <laughs> and his <laughs> website and the YouTube videos hmm. are on there because I had to come up and I had to figure it out fast is relative, but people who are coming into VO today are out of work on camera actors. They're film actors. They have IMDB Pro pages, you know, that are a mile long, but they need their agents like, well, hey, I'm just going to send you some VO stuff. You can do that, right? And they're looking at me and they're just, they're just green. They're ill. They don't know how to do any of it. So I'm like, all right, look, just buy this microphone, get that thing, go into your closet, sit down and do it and you'll be fine. And you'll figure it out in the next three weeks if this is a thing for you. So yeah, I just send them my resource sheet and I tell them they have to put the money up now and get into class. That's it. That's my, that's the short one. Take class. Take class. Learn what you don't know fast. Yeah, I agree with that. And also a good internet, that yeah, can that be a right. big mm-hmm. game, uh, yeah. game changer for you. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to try to go back to one subject just because I think there's an interesting difference here. Um, Krista, you, you bought a Studio Bricks booth, but Nick, you if I understand right, you built your own booth? Yes, with um, consultation from um, a company here, Studious, they now manufacture their own um, booths. Um, but I spoke to him and he kind of set me up originally and then um, got a, yeah, I got like a, a builder made of mine to actually build it properly. And, you know, we, we did a lot, a lot of research actually on building a, you know, a proper, with the spacing and between these walls and everything like that. Um, and I was a little confined under my, under my house, how big we could go, but yeah, it was a bit of excavation and everything. And, um, and then, Richie uh, from Studios kind of came in with the, the, you know, once we were doing the soundproofing and then, then the treatment and all that type of thing. So if I can ask, uh, first of all, I, I'm guessing the Studio Bricks was somewhere in the seven to $12,000 range without knowing exactly how big it was and all the other things. But is that fairly accurate for that booth? Uh, the one I have right now is uh, $13,000. 
because I went triple walled and I have custom colors. And um, I got the ventilator. The first one I had was the Studio Bricks, their smallest one, and that was $7,000. And the Studio Bricks One Plus is around eight to $10,000. Did you have to buy a whole new booth to get that other one, or did you add to your original Studio Bricks to make it? No, big... I sold the Studio Bricks One Plus, and then I got this one. Gotcha. And Nick, what kind of budget ends up happening with a properly it, done... It's interesting to hear that. Oh, it was about 10000 yeah. Um And that's, you know, seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's not huge, but... Um, yeah, I guess it would have been less as well with without the um, little bit of excavation we had to do as well. And it's kind of like suspended floating as well. So, yeah. Is that a, a like a, um, a control room and a booth just or booth. just the booth? Yeah, yeah but, just but, kind but of... But you it, floated the floor. Um, just on, what well, not floating, that's, that's going too far, but, you know, just a um, little bit of on rubber suspension. So it's not... It's, yeah, it's floated. Yeah, yeah it's like pretty that. Much floating. And um, it kind of comes off the the... the bottom of my house and then goes under the the rest of the house so it kind of can access it from downstairs which is where the the kind of control room side of things is and then the booths yeah off that so did you have to build the the other room that it's actually in or was no the other room was already there? there it was kind of extended off that under the house and so it's only it was only the yeah the excavation for the booth size and um and the building of the actual booth that needed to be done so i reckon that's a probably about the same kind of budget that I spent on mine, I'm guessing. Right, okay. So, yeah, 10, 15. And, you know, at the time, you're like, yeah, okay, here we go, uh, investment. <laughs> and then, but, yeah, it, you know, never look back. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that it has more of a def- definition on your sound than your microphone. And I think it is the first place to really, like, sort before you start getting everything else. You can't even... Um, if you're dealing with a microphone with an incredibly great noise floor and you don't have a booth that can create that lack of noise then what's the point of that incredibly yeah, great noise yeah, for yeah totally. um, yeah totally it, it just starts yeah. like, like it starts with your skills next to the room that you're in then the microphone then the yeah. interface then you know it, it just yeah. builds I mean we talked about this before and the, if you have a really good booth you could you know spend the money on the booth and then go and buy an NT1 mm. you know road yeah, that's going to cost you two or three hundred bucks and it sounds great it's got no yeah. it's very quiet and Works perfectly. It's, it's possible that, you know, like a good booth with an NT1 sounds better than a mediocre corner uh, or somewhat treated corner with a U87. Um, they, well, it's like George was saying the other week where he went to someone's place who had a U87 mm, in a yeah, wardrobe. Right. Yeah, yeah. Closet, you know, You're not you kind of go out of that. three and a half grand <laughs> or whatever microphone. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get like, the what? really kick ass rims for my Honda Civic that's not. Yeah, like, or maybe that's that, yeah. My that, Hyundai that, gets tunable <laughs> car, right? But yes. exactly, ten thousand yeah. dollars worth of wheels on a three thousand dollar car. Yeah, but but I but I do think it's really interesting the build your own booth versus buy the booth and and the the booth that you buy, you know, you can take it with you, but you you get certain decisions that are made for you. I mean, Nick, you're able to put it exactly where you want with the dimensions that you want. And maybe you came in at a slightly, like, it sounds like the yeah. price points are pretty similar because you're talking about local construction guys and things like that. So, And um, probably over time, too, I know that, you know, the ones they're making now, they've, you know, like anything, um, streamlined the processes and then probably, you know, you're getting more bang for your buck. Um, now they're actually making more of them as well. 
Yeah. The the, the, the prefab, prefab booths. The prefab ones, yeah. 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 I, I have to say, I think that the prefab booths, it's really, really hard to make a prefab booth. It's going to take care of the acoustic environment and give you something that's going to be dead. And But... Um, it's hard to make like those soundproof mm. and, and even like, I, I think studio bricks is in a whole different league compared to all the other ones um, as far as booths yeah. go, because studio bricks is the midpoint between those $30,000 prefab booths that they use for, you know, ear, ear testing and things like that, which are, yeah, like the, there's, there's a couple of companies that make them, but those, Winger. those booths are serious yeah uh, uh, um, industrial acoustics and and whatnot but that's you know at that point you just build your own um and then then the studio bricks falls nicely in the middle some of the other you know carpet on plywood booths they they treat the room acoustically but it is so hard to get those things to be actually soundproof mm -hmm. if you have a noisy household you're not i have those yeah. conversations all the time do i build or do i buy and there's a certain dimension might be around four by six, four by five, where the break-even point happens, and then you, then it just makes sense to build once it starts getting bigger. But yeah, it's a great yeah. comparison. I, I look, you're never going to get anything soundproof anyway. I think Robert and I were talking about that just the other couple of days ago. Um, and there's frequencies you're never going to stop. So it doesn't unless you spend three hundred thousand dollars, you know, <laughs> with removing the concrete around yeah, your booth and yeah. all that kind of stuff. There's also a huge difference between like you know building it with a construction and, and getting it caulked and sealed. And the the general thing is if light gets through, sound mm. gets through. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's unless it's, it's glass I, or a light bulb. Well, yeah, but glass, you know, glass has that its own bulb. resonant frequency as, as Crystal mentioned. Yeah. And, and there's, there's other yeah. things there, but yeah, it's, it's, it is really interesting that you can, I think more affordably get much better bang for your buck, uh, out of building your own booth. And you just have to be willing to walk away from it when you're done and not think of the booth as like portable and I'm going to take it with me because obviously oh they're going to put me in mine and send me out to sea and set it on fire because <laughs> <laughs> I head across to Avalon uh, <laughs> yes uh, yeah but for renters you know for people who rent like myself um, you know building your own booth is not necessarily yeah. an option yeah and like Nick did I researched for two years I am literally the reason there is a person making booths now in LA whom George knows very well um, but I started him because I did the research for two years and I finally realized I had to get some people in who could help me put this thing together. And then he mansplained me once too often and I was just like, fuck this. And yeah. I just bought my own. <laughs> I was like, no, no thanks, I'm good. But ambient noise is an expensive house guest. And it's true, it's all you can do is throw money at it. But if you rent you're kind of at the mercy of these prefab booths. And in this country, what I learned was in the United States, like if I could have, I would have gotten a Gretchen. They're up in Oregon. And they had decibel level readouts that were fantastic. Um, but they were just as much as the studio bricks and they weighed like twice as much. And I was on the second floor. I couldn't trust the weight issue. And the studio bricks is portable. I think of all the booths in the United States, this one, Studio Bricks, is um, they're out of Barcelona, but none of the U.S.-based booths that I was looking at at the time, Vocal Booth, Whisper Room, and Gretchen, were as portable as the Studio Bricks. So that was one, you know, 
You're right, Robert. Everything you've said is absolutely 100%. I have lived this experience. But you just have to make some concessions if you rent, and that was what I had to do. The the, the renting thing definitely is a dynamic I didn't cover. My studio, we had a um, IAC booth, and it's like one of those like metal-walled, it looks like a California gas chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. It, <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> it is insane. Each wow. wall piece is 400 pounds. <gasps> wow. It took, it took us three days to wow. take it apart. When we switched studios, we stored it. It took us a year and a half to sell it. We started out trying to sell the thing for $15,000. We sold it for five. And we were happy to get rid of it because it performed... Amazingly, I mean, it performed as good or better than something that you can build, but knew the thing was $30,000. Um, it takes a crew of several people to build. This is not in the same industry. It's these, the, the, these companies that build booths like that, they start with audio testing for hearing and they go up to manufacturers who are trying to test their equipment and, and have these booths for testing car engines and things. And it's just a whole different level. So you can get a theoretically portable booth that performs as well as something you build. But I think it goes over the the, the scale. And the reality is um, a good couple layers of drywall and some two by fours and, and, and you can build your yourself a booth that will perform very, very well. But the, the price point, I, I think that no matter what anybody looking at dealing with a booth and doing it right, it's like you're at least in the two, two to $3,000 mark. And that's if you're handy with a saw and doing doing it mostly yourself, and then it just goes but up. Right now, there. raw materials prices are about triple to yeah. quadruple what yeah. they should be right. in the U.S. Yep. and here. And then yeah. have someone else build it for you and add another two, three thousand dollars for it, and now you're at the price point of the whisper rooms and the other things. You get that better performance out of doing it yourself if you're able to. I mean, if not with a whisper room, the only thing you can do is try to put the room put the whisper room in another mm. room. That's hopefully quiet. <laughs> you yeah. <know>? Like, <laughs> it's interesting with Studio Bricks. One question for you, Krista, before we go, and that is um, because they're built in Barcelona, do you have trouble when you have to do a, like an S in a word? Does it come out like a TH? T. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. It's a studio yeah, brick. So. <laughs> Barcelona? Is that what you were saying? Funny. I'll stick to mine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is the... Yeah. 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 Robert told me to say that, by the way, just saying. Well, that was fun. Is it over? The Pro Audio Suite recorded using Rode NTG5s and Source Connect, edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging with tech support from George the Tech Wizard. Help us share the show with more people and get your hands on exclusive content by contributing to our Patreon page. See patreon.com forward slash Pro Audio Suite. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say good day, drop us a note at our website, the Pro Audio Suite. Dot com.